Welcome to this weekend's In Touch podcast with Charles Stanley. The Apostle Paul's prayer in Colossians chapter 1 gives believers a practical outline for praying effectively. Let's follow along as the study of the book of Colossians continues. The most powerful privilege God has given to us is the privilege to pray. And it's amazing how clearly He has given us promises in the Word of God concerning prayer. For example, one of those very clear promises is to be found in 1 John chapter 5. And the 14th and 15th verse reads like this. And this is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have the request or the petition which we have asked of Him. That is a tremendous promise that belongs to every child of God. And all of us, I think, have known those people that we have seen uh, God working in their life and oftentimes have felt like there need to be changes in their life and have asked ourselves the question, Lord, what can I do to help bring about a change in that person's life? Then I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 1, and I want us to read verses 9 through verse 11, or part of verse 12. And this is the prayer that Paul prayed for the Colossian Christians. And remember now that he's in prison while he's praying this prayer. And it is a powerful prayer that will bring about change in the person's life for whom you pray it, no matter who they are. But I want to give you a warning. You can't pray this prayer for someone else without God beginning to work the same request in your own life, and you're going to see something happen in your life. So I want to sort of analyze this prayer, and you'll see the tremendous effect it can have upon someone else. Paul begins in verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of these things, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, when you read that, you say, my goodness, I could never pray that I couldn't remember it. You don't have to. God's written it out for you. So this is one prayer that you can read and God's going to answer. Now, if I stood up here every Sunday and say, may we pray and open my eyes and read you a prayer, you'd say, the preacher can't pray. He's got to write it out. He doesn't remember what to pray for. Listen, we bow our head and close our eyes in reverence to God, but you can open your eyes and pray and you can take this passage and read it to God. And you can put somebody else's name in or you can put your own name in it. Lord, fill me with the knowledge of your will for my life with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I want to be able to walk in a manner that is worthy of you. I want to please you in all respects. I want my life to bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of who you are and the way you operate. I want to be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience in my life. I want to be able to joyously give thanks for what you've done in my life. And my friend, listen, God will answer that prayer. Here is a prayer that God has given to us as he laid it upon the heart of the Apostle Paul to pray for those Colossians. It is a tremendous prayer. 
It is a powerful prayer that every parent ought to pray for their sons and daughters. We should pray for those for whom we are concerned, those whom we love, those in whose life we see Satan gaining the victory. Here is a powerful prayer. And we read in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, this is the confidence, this is the assurance, this is the boldness with which we can come to the throne of God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He's listening. If we know that He's hearing us, we know that we are having the petition which we have made known to Him. Now, I may not always see that come to pass exactly when I want it to happen, but God will answer every prayer that is prayed according to His will. This is why He says in John chapter 15, If you abide in my word, and my word is abiding in you, ask what you will, and the Lord will bring that to pass. Well, here is certainly the word of God. So I want us to look at this prayer, first of all, in the light of praying it for yourself. And then as parents, praying it for your children, as husbands and wives, praying it for each other, praying it for people for whom you're concerned. I believe if you target any person with this prayer, and you just keep firing away this prayer before the Father, bringing them to Him day after day after day, you will see a transformation in that person's life. Because this prayer is born of the Spirit of God. And all true prayer is born in heaven, sent to us and laid upon our heart as the burden. We send it back to Him, and therefore He answers prayer, which ultimately originated with Him in the first place. And so, when Paul says we cease not to pray, there are three things very evident in this prayer. First of all, it is continuous. Secondly, it is God-centered. And thirdly, it is very specific. Now, usually when we say, Lord, just bless so-and-so, that is a lazy word. Lord, just bless so-and-so. That, that's a lazy word in prayer. God, just bless my friends. Bless all of those for whom it's our duty to pray. God, forgive us of all of our sins. It is amazing how we are lazy even talking to God. God, just bless them. Well, what do you want Him to do? What I want you to see, there's nothing general in this prayer. Nothing hazy, nothing foggy. Nobody has to wonder what in the world Paul meant because he made it very clear, very specific, and he says we are continually, we cease not to pray this in your behalf. Now, with that in mind, Let's look at this prayer. Now, I want to encourage you to think in terms, first of all, of yourself. Pray this for yourself. Secondly, to pray it for someone for whom you're concerned. And the best way to build your faith is to ask God to do something specifically and then watch God bring it to pass. Then the next time you are, are in a situation where you need for God to do something, what is the greatest faith builder and greatest motivator for the next prayer is remembering that you prayed very specifically for this particular thing and God did it, then you get on with praying for someone else. So now don't let this go by you to say, well, I'm going to pray this for so-and-so. Think first of all of yourself. What is the first thing? There are seven things I want you to notice here. First of all, he says we had to pray that ourselves or the other person may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, what is he speaking of here? He says, in all spiritual wisdom, not worldly wisdom, but spiritual wisdom, seeing things from God's viewpoint, understanding God's mind. How is God working in this given situation? And he says, with understanding, comprehending the nature of what God is up to in my life and distinguishing between the world's wisdom and what the flesh says versus what God is saying. 
When you begin to pray that for your own life, what does God do but blow away the fog and blow away the haziness in your own thinking? Lord, I want to be full of the knowledge of your will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding in my life. I don't want to be willing to settle for some settle for kind of life. I want to know specifically what you want. Now, my friend, if you're a parent, you should pray that for your children every single day. God, show my son your will for his life. Lord, show my daughter your will for her life. Praying that God would make it very clear to them how they're to invest their life in the decisions that they make. Lord, fill them with the knowledge of your will. And in the process of doing so, God resurrects those areas of their life that need to be dealt with. There comes confession and repentance, and God clears uh, their conscience. It removes their guilt. God begins to grow into their lives a deep, yearning desire to know His will. And so He says, first of all, praying for the full knowledge with spiritual wisdom. That is, getting God's viewpoint and understanding what God is up to in that person's life. That's request number one. Request number two, listen. He says, not only to be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, but He says, secondly, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, when the Bible talks about Christians walking about, He's talking about our lifestyle, that our lifestyle and our conduct and behavior would be such that it is in keeping with who we are. When he uses the term here, worthy of the Lord, the word he uses here is this. It is the implication of looking at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and then looking at your own life. And how does our life weigh in the light of the character of the Lord Jesus Christ? That is, is our life so filled with the attributes and the characteristics of Christ that our life weighs heavily, that the marks that we leave in our life leave a deep enough impression for someone else to find the Lord Jesus Christ and someone else to be positively influenced. He says, the second thing we're to pray is that our walk may be in such a manner that it is worthy of the Lord, characteristic of who He is and who we are and measuring up to the person that we say we are. Because you see, the truth is all of us who have Christ living within us are an extension of the life of Jesus, which means that when people meet us, they really should meet the Lord Jesus Christ, that our character, conversation, and conduct should be of the nature and the quality that they cannot help but meet Him when they meet us. And so our prayer for ourselves as well as the other person is not only would we be filled with a knowledge of the will and purpose and plan of God for our life, but that our daily walk, our lifestyle would be characteristic of the life of Christ, that it would be weighty, that it would bear influence, that we'd leave a mark, that someone else would never be the same because they have met you and because of your strong Christ-like influence in their life. And we should be praying that for our families. Lord, that our children, that our family might walk worthy of the name we profess. And that is true of all of us. That all of us who call ourselves Christian and name the name of Christ, the world has a right to expect of us something different. And God said they will think you are peculiar. They will see you as different. 
And they will oftentimes mock you, criticize you, laugh at you, and wonder why you are the way you are. We are the way we are because of the person who's living on the inside of us. And so no believer should do anything in order to encourage criticism or persecution. But the Bible says if the world speaks well of us, there's something wrong. And if you're living your life in order to entertain and to have others approve of you, the world approve of you, you have a wrong motivation. He says we're to walk in such a fashion that the weight of our life bears influence, a life worthy of the very person whose name we name Jesus, whom we say is our life. And that means we're not going to walk the way of the world. We walk to a different drumbeat in a different direction. Our interests are different. Our lifestyle is different. Our behavior is different. And when you work among or live around or your recreation is around those who are ungodly or unchristlike or do not name the name of Jesus Christ, my friend, what a terrible mistake to look at them and for some reason want to act like them. You say, I don't like criticism. My friend, neither did Jesus, I'm sure. Neither did the Apostle Paul. But you and I are not here in order to gain the world's approval, but to make such an impression upon them, they will either grasp the Christ, whom we know, or want to get rid of us. But to ignore us, never. Nothing could be a worse testimony about the Christian faith than to be able to be ignored silently. Third request. Filled with all the knowledge of the will of God, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. And then he says, thirdly, pleasing Him in all respects. Now look at this. First of all, to know the will of God is to ask for God's direction for our life. Secondly, to walk in a manner worthy speaks of the quality of our life. And then pleasing Him in all things speaks of the desire of our life. That is to be obedient to God. Now, if it's not your natural, normal desire to be obedient to Him, there's something wrong. Now, let me go one step further. It isn't enough for me just to want to be obedient, but to obey Him. To obey Him when it's convenient, when it's inconvenient. When to obey Him is to be criticized, when it means have someone else's approval. But obedience is the bottom line. Do you have a yearning, thirsting desire to obey Him? When questions come your way, is the bottom line, what does God want? When someone makes you an offer, is the bottom line, what does God want? When you're tempted in any area, is the bottom line, what does God want? What will be pleasing to Him? Not what gratifies the flesh. What will bring me the world's approval, but what does obedience to God require of me at this moment? And this is the prayer we should pray for ourselves. God, give me such a yearning, hungering, thirsting to desire to obey you that I absolutely cannot disobey you under any condition and have a moment's rest. God, so prick my heart, so prick my conscience, I can only be happy pleasing you, and I believe that is true of a believer. You can't be happy disobeying God. My friend, you and I should pray that prayer for ourselves. God, that I might obey you in everything. Because that's the bottom line. Obedience to the Lord God. It isn't legalism. It is a desire that God has placed in our heart to obey Him. Thank God He placed in my heart as a kid a desire to be obedient to Him. 
And every single one of us should pray that for ourselves. Lord, no matter what happens, let the bottom line of all decision-making be, Lord, what would you have me to do? You pray that for your children. God, create within my child a desire to be obedient to you early in life. Listen, before that child even understands what obedience is, that mother and dad begin to cry out to God, plant within my son, create within my daughter's heart a desire to obey you above all else. And I'm here to tell you there is no way for that child to escape the powerful prayers of godly parents. That penetrates a child's mind, penetrates a child's heart. And God piles up those prayers week after week, month after month, year after year. And then that child goes out to live their life early in life, going to school. And what have you been doing? You've been stacking up the prayers day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. God, create within my child's heart a desire to be obedient to you. And God will send into that child's life experiences where they will have to start making decisions. And they'll begin to obey God and they will develop in their life that ultimate decision. What is it that is pleasing to God? You can't pray a more important prayer for someone and that God would create within them a desire to obey Him in all things. What that does, it sharpens that person's conscience. It sharpens, it makes their conscience even more sensitive. It makes them more perceptive to the things about them. They have a greater sense of discernment of what's going on because you see, if you have a desire to be obedient to God, you must know what is really going on around you, not what simply appears to be happening. A person with a desire, a deep, yearning, hungering, thirsting desire to obey, God has a discerning spirit to be able to detect things that oftentimes other people walk right by them. Because when your heart desires to be obedient to Him, He equips you, listen, to be obedient in the most meticulous areas of your life. And somebody says, well, I want to be sure I'm obedient to the big things. I'm not worried about the little things. You better worry about them. You better be concerned about the little things because oftentimes a life changes and a great decision hinges on what appears to be a little decision. But in the mind of God is a great decision. Praying, first of all, the full knowledge of God's will, walking in a manner worthy of our Lord, pleasing Him in all respects, not just being obedient about some things, but a desire. Listen, I don't mean some legalistic now, some legalistic demand and requirement. That's why I put the emphasis on the desire within the heart to obey Him, not obeying Him to be seen or because you're scared to death that God's going to judge you, but a loving desire to obey Him, obeying Him in every respect. Thank you for listening to Changing People Through Prayer. For more inspirational messages like this, visit our online 24-7 station. And if you'd like to know more about Charles Stanley or InTouch Ministries, stop by InTouch.org. This podcast is a presentation of InTouch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia.